Good morning. Uh, I thought of a really cool icebreaker because uh, there, there's a lot of talking already, so I, I figured maybe you guys could use some talking among yourselves. So it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, what I'd like to do, have you do, is turn to your neighbor, and I just would like you to think of one word that you would use to describe your biological father, okay? And I'd just like you to share that one word, and maybe you can do a little bit of an explanation around it, and I won't give you, like, a lot of time to do it, so why don't you just take, like, a minute and turn to your neighbor and just greet them warmly and share. Go for it. Okay, can we have the other person share now? <clears throat> okay, now if, if you would all stand with me, I, I'm going to pray for our time together, and then we're going to go ahead and get started um, on the message. Okay. I'm going to do something very biblical and then I will pray. But First um, uh, Timothy uh, chapter 2 says this, First of all, that I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Okay? Let's actually pray that first, and then we'll continue to pray for our service. We'll go big, and then we'll go small. Uh, Lord, we're, we're not unaware. We're not, it's not just like we're in our little bubble. There's a wider world that you're concerned about, and you've called us to to pray for all the things that are happening in that wider world. You want us to pray for our kings. We don't have a king, but we have a president, and he's making a pretty big decision uh, with Congress to know whether or not to go to war with Syria. No boots on the ground, but nevertheless, it would be an act of war. I'm, I'm asking you, God, that you would give our president and Congress wisdom, guidance, they see part of the equation. You see all parts of the equation. Please give them wisdom and guidance to know how to respond. Should we respond? Should we wait for the UN, which doesn't seem like they will ever actually respond? We're asking you to give our president guidance and wisdom. And Father, you are concerned because Jesus is in all things about the wider world, but you're also really concerned about what happens in this room, but not just in this room, but also in the hearts of the people in this room. Oh, and so I'm praying, Lord, that your spirit would be here. I know our people can be very distracted from Sunday to Sunday. Would your spirit be here? Would you be ministering to people beyond the mere words that that I can utter? Would there be something supernatural happening in hearts of people who don't know you and who do know you and need to be renewed or need to encounter you for the first time? I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. And if you would, can you turn in your Bibles to, guess what book? Ephesians. Uh, We went through three months uh, through the book of Ephesians. And so you might think that I'm done with this book, but, but listen to me. 
the, the truth of the matter is that every week I would progress further down in Ephesians, but the truth is every time I would have a quiet time, I was still stuck in chapter 1 because chapter 1 was so mind-boggling to me. Uh, I really just meditated in chapter 1 for like three or four months, and so there's treasures that I still want to unpack. So if you would turn with me to chapter 1 uh, in the book of Ephesians, keep your finger there. Uh, I actually wanted to give you my version of, <clears throat> I wanted to give you my, uh, my words to describe my own father, my own biological father. I, I, I chose uh, three words, hard, emotionally distant, and angry. Uh, I'm just going to kind of... When you think of your, your biological father, I'm sure certain memories come to mind. For me, there are memories of him being really angry at me. And um, I, I think I know why. It's because my father, um, well, he would get really angry. And uh, for a kid to see like, your, emo- your, your security kind of like fly off the handle and get really angry, is, is, it's... It's very disturbing. But then for you to see that and experience a lot of pain tends to sear that memory into your, into your psyche. And so that's kind of what happened for me. So this is one memory that just totally just stands out when I think about my, my biological father. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I guess I was like 8, 9, or 10. I don't remember. Around that age, I did something really bad. And I, I don't remember what I did. But I remember what he did. And what he did is he said, he said, I said, Andrew, you go to the backyard and you find me a stick and you bring it to me. Okay, so <laughs> I, I went to the backyard and I tried to find the smallest stick possible, right? So I came back and I said, Dad, you know, it was like a twig, right? Dad, here's, here's the stick. Unleash your fury, you know? And he was like, he was not happy. You think that's funny? You go outside and get a bigger stick, or I will. I ran outside, and I got a a bigger stick. I didn't get a broom, okay, but I got a bigger stick, and I gave it to him, and he said, and I gave it to him, he said, put out your hands, and, you know, and he went, pop, like that. Now, he didn't really explain to me why he was hitting me or what he was wanting from me, and so what I remember is that he would be angry and he was irritated at us, and then he would vent his anger by, by uh, hitting us. And so that's what I kind of remember of my father. <clears throat> today, I, I, I want to... Uh, today is a soft start for a series that we're going to uh, start called Multiply. Uh, you guys heard of Francis Chan? By the way, did anyone go to the... Uh, the the, the, the conference yesterday? Oh, oh you guys did. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to ask you later how that was. Um, so, okay, let me tell you a little bit of the background of the curriculum and the book that we're going through. So Francis Chan, he actually wanted to go to Asia. You know, he led a mega church, you know, huge, thriving church, kind of a national, really a worldwide ministry. And he wanted to go to Asia, but he felt like my calling in America isn't done. There's still something God wants me to do. And the, the big theme was discipleship. 
And so he produces curriculum for discipleship. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through three campaigns in the next three years that will cover his curriculum in discipleship. And so today is a soft start, but really we're going to have an official start uh, next week, and, uh, and Quest is going to get baptized, and so it's going to be a, this big celebration. And what a way to start that off with Quest being baptized. People are giving me tips on how to baptize a really huge person. They're saying maybe you should get Quest to like kneel down first, you know, and then you might have a chance. Actually, I might try that. Um, I, it's not beneath me. Um, <clears throat> you know, this curriculum is kind of the teeth for discipleship that I've been looking for. Because we've been talking about discipleship a lot. But finally, we have some teeth, uh, a pathway, so we can go step by step together in learning together what it means to follow Jesus. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to start next, next week, um, and so it's multiplied. But, but here's the thing. Before Jesus calls us to this life of discipleship, which I, I might actually uh, describe in two words as radical response or radical obedience, before he calls that to us, he gives us this word of overwhelming grace. Now, I'm, I'm going to repeat these, these concepts over, but let me hear you guys with me say, overwhelming grace. Okay. And when we get that, then the most natural thing is radical obedience and radical response. But so what I'm wanting to do in the next five weeks is paint this picture of overwhelming grace. And that starts first with what we have in God as Father. And what that means for us as his sons and daughters, okay? What we have in God as Father and what that means for us as sons and daughters. Okay, so let's go for, through the, uh, the, the first few verses of Ephesians, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you guys repeat Father to me? Father. Okay, now, it's, it's really easy to get that verse and then just to move right along. But don't move right along. There's a very profound teaching that Paul's offering to us, which is, it's simple, it's profound. God is Father. God is Father. Now, what do you think about when you hear the word Father? What do you think about when you picture God as a Father? And I would say that for myself, the first picture in my mind is my biological father. And if I think of my biological father, one of the first most accessible memories is he was really angry and he wanted to hit me with a bigger stick. That's the first thing that, hits him, that comes to my mind. Now, I would tell you that as, as a pastor, it's taken me a long time to understand God as father. A long time. You would expect a pastor to get it sooner. And I think part of the reason why I really struggle with it is because the first picture in my mind is my biological father. Now, I'm not saying that my biological father was, was, um, was a terrible father. That's not true. He was actually a good father, but he was flawed. And so the, the first uh, verse that I want to share with you is that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is not flawed. He is a perfect father. Very simple concept, because I think what we tend to do when we think about God as Father is we project all of our baggage from the biological Father onto the perfect Father, and that's not right. Now, your biological Father, I'm sure, tried as hard as he could. There's many good things where he reflected 
the attributes of God, right? Like he was really hardworking, you know? He was, he was a great provider. But there were other ways where he probably failed to reflect the fullness of the glory of God. And so my, my word to you this morning, right off the bat, is that God the Father is perfect. He's different from your biological father. So keep what's good and drop what's bad. Some of us have just like one for one, just totally projected all that stuff onto God. And you can't do that. Because that was from a flawed father, but your heavenly father is perfect. So let me hear you guys say, Father God is perfect. Okay, that's the first point that I want to make. Now let's keep on going. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This Father has blessed us, can you guys say every spiritual blessing? Okay, there's something about a father's heart. When a father looks at his son, the father wants to give everything that's good. Okay, who here is a father? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about, you know? And for the folks who didn't, it's because you're evil. I'm kidding. But you, you raise, you, you're, 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 you know what I'm talking about when you look at your kid, you're like, everything good I want to give this kid, and I don't want to hold anything back. That is what Father God is like. Every good thing. But every good thing in what? In what? In Christ. Now, some of you are like, oh, I wanted the new car. I wanted the bigger house. There's something very different about this perfect father and the way that he sees. Now, the way that he sees things that the best of everything I got is in my son. It, it, you know, understand, God wants to give you everything that's good. Everything that's good. He doesn't want to hold back anything. And in his thinking, in his perfect wisdom, he's like, the best of everything I got is in Jesus. And I didn't hold back. I gave all of him to you. No, I don't know. How, how, how do you read that? When you say, when you hear that the best of the Father is in Jesus, are you like, absolutely? Are you like, oh, you know something? Actually, I wanted something else. God wants to give you everything good, everything good. And it's like, the best of everything I have is in Jesus, my son, and I gave him all to you. Even as he chose us in him. Can you guys repeat? Chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. Now, holy and blameless is a concept I'm going to actually unpack in week three. So if I don't unpack it now, it's okay, because I'm going to unpack it in week three. But what I want to point out to you is that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, I, I want you to think about what's being said here. God the Father has chosen you before the foundation of the world. So that means you are chosen. Now, do you live, did you wake up this morning realizing you are chosen? That's a very powerful word. You are chosen. Do you live life every day feeling like, you know, God chose me before the foundation of the world. Oh my gosh, what, a, what an amazing concept. <laughs> this, if you, if you lived every day knowing that you were chosen by God, how would that change the way you live? How would that change the way you see yourself? Uh, <laughs> 
I, I have three kids, for those of you who don't know, uh, ages six, five, and two. And, um, but the, the dirty little secret is that I'm one of those fathers who didn't really want to be a father. <laughs> I, I was kind of like a reluctant father. There are certain people uh, who they wanted to be a dad, like, oh, ever since I was like a kid, right? That totally was not me. I got married to Raina, and I was still like, ah, kids, take it or leave it. You know, it took me two years to get ready to have kids. I was actively praying about it, like, God, make me want to be a dad, because I just, I really like just being married. This is fun. It took me two years. And then after two years, I'm like, okay, okay, let's do it. You know, I, my heart was more prepared in a place to go ahead and have kids. And so, and so Raina and I, you know, we, we bought all these books and, you know, and the timing method and all that stuff. And then six months later, one day I come home from work. She's like, here, take this. It's a stick and I peed on it. Okay, all right. Wow, okay. Uh, so I remember I took the stick and I put it on the counter of the bathroom. And then it was just like this nervous fidgeting, like what do you do with your time? And so, and so the romantic in me just kind of came out. I said, you know something, let's, uh, let's pop in the CD and let's do our, our wedding dance. And so we danced to Louie Louie, you know, I mean, no, no, I'm joking. We, we popped in Billy Joel and we danced, um, she's got away, we got away. And so we were like dancing, okay, don't think about that, praise God, we're dancing. Went back, looked at the stick, and it had that plus sign on it. That changed my world. <laughs> like, you know, but it was still, like, really abstract. Like, oh, I'm going to be a dad, you know, but, you know, I don't want to get your hopes up because maybe something else will happen, you know, just. And then something actually did happen. Like, in the second trimester, I was on a bus. I was going to one of your retreats, and I got this call from Rain, and she said, I'm bleeding. I'm like, what do you mean you're bleeding? You're a little spot? I'm bleeding through a whole, uh, I'm not supposed to say the word, but pad. I, I, I went to the hospital with Raina, and I remember just holding hands, just, just, just crying out to God, God, I don't even know who this kid is. Please save his life. You know what the doctor told me? The doctor told me that the placenta has all these loose wires in it. Veins. And if that kid gives a random kick, he could sever the wires and just bleed himself out. So, good luck with that, and they sent us home. I'm not kidding you. And I would say for like two weeks, I'm like, hey, prayer team, come I have never prayed so hard in my life. God, spare my son. Spare my unborn son. Please, just, if you, you know, almost like, if, if you love me, would you do this, please? You know, I mean, you, you shouldn't say that because, you know, of course he does love you, but I was, I was desperate. Lord, just. Uh, you know how the story goes. <laughs> On the day of uh, of Ryan's delivery, uh, I, I was, I, you know, it was a mixture of all these different things, but I remember I was such an engaged dad in that process of birthing that child, right? 
And uh, so, you know, I was, I was like totally in there. I wasn't on the end of the head. I was on the opposite end holding the leg, right? And, you know, you have to count the pushes. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. <gasps> you know, one, two, three. And she's, you know, she's like going through the push. And I'm like, okay, this one you're going to do for your brother. You know, and, then, and, you, and this one you're going to do for my mom. And she didn't really push that hard for that one. But, but you know, this, you know, and the nurse said, I have never seen a father so engaged in the delivery process. And you think that Raina birthed that child. Let me tell you, I birthed that child. No, that's really, I shouldn't say that. That's so off. What am I talking about? But I was really, really engaged. And you know what happened when the baby finally came out? I think it was after 26 hours of pushing. The baby came out. And the baby was floppy. You know, the baby's supposed to like cry, like, Wah! the baby was floppy. Like, is that normal? Why isn't the baby doing anything? He looks like a little like fish, like a little zombie. She put him on the table. She put tubes in his mouth. She didn't want to, you know, uh, overly concern me. I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, there's my, my baby. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm just like, Raina's like, what, what's going on? What's going on? Why, why is the baby not crying? I'm like, you know, I just held her hand and said, just, just pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me beside still pastures. Beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. We're just going to trust God, baby. Something wrong with the kid. He was compromised for like maybe a good five or six minutes. Oh my gosh, the longest five, six minutes of my life. But this is what came out. How about the second picture? Now, let me just say this, okay? I came in prepared for an ugly baby because I've seen a lot of babies when they just come out, and in my humble opinion, they're ugly. I'm like, it's going to be an ugly baby. So if I lower my standards, maybe I actually might be pleased by the way this baby came out. This baby was an angel to me. I'm like, he is, look how perfectly symmetrical he is. <laughs> I loved this baby before he was even born. I chose this baby to love before he was ever born. Now for me, it was like maybe nine months ago before he was born. I said, whatever comes out of that wound, I'm going to love that baby because that baby is my son or my daughter. But God chose to love you before he made the foundation of the world. Do you, do you understand that? Do you get that? It's not just abstract, it's real. He chose to love you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. Now, you can walk every day with that assurance. I'm chosen. He loves me. He chose to love me before I was even born. You know, not even nine months before I was born. He chose to love me before the foundation of the world. That's your God. That's your Father. That's His love for you. Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you see that? Do you see it? Now, when that baby came out, I did not care if he would grow up to be politician or a doctor or an engineer or the president of Taiwan you know those are not my questions I love that baby regardless of what he does I love the baby because he's my son that's what you got now let me read on in love he what's that word such a big word, I have a hard time. Help me. He, oh, you don't know, that's why you're like, <laughs> he predestined. He predestined, okay? Now, again, this is one of those messages where I could just talk about predestination for like an entire message. 
But I'm not going to do that. But it does say, He predestined, you know. He chose you. He is in control. And before you were even born, before the foundation of the world, He chose you. Chose you to what? He predestined. Predestined to what? For adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption as sons according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. He predestined us for adoption as sons. Now let me also include as daughters. There are people like, well, only the sons, only the men? Yeah, 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 it's only the men. No, it's male and female, but this position of sonship includes female too. So, sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, I just want to share a little bit more about adoption. It doesn't really serve my point, but I just want you to know more about the concept. Um, In the ancient world, infant mortality was very high. So uh, there's a 50% survival rate for kids that are born, uh, the 50% survival rate that they will actually reach age five. And so what families would have to do is you would have to actually have five kids to have two of those kids live on to adulthood. Those are not great numbers, okay? So that might be like, of my three kids, you can expect one of them not to make it to adulthood. Added to this, um, there was infanticide at a very high rate. You know, I don't know how it compares to today. But basically, it was in the culture, it was accepted, it was okay for you if you didn't want the baby because it was deformed, or maybe it was an accident, or maybe it was a girl, you can just go ahead and once the baby, you can just go ahead and leave the baby out. You can leave the baby in the desert, you can tie a big rock to the baby and throw it in the river, you can even suffocate the baby. But that was, that was something that they did. So it was in this culture of infanticide and high mortality rate that we get this concept of adoption, but it's not like the way we do adoption today. Um, Actually, for worse. What they did do is when you would adopt someone, you would normally adopt adults. And these were for the upper class, not for the poor people. The upper class, basically, a person would have like an empire or or they would have... um, you know, a, a thriving business, or they would have all these things to pass on to their kids. And for, maybe they don't have an heir because the, 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 they're having some fertility problems, or maybe they do have an heir, but that heir is not really worth it. And so they would actually adopt an adult to say, listen, when I die, all my stuff passes on to you. And so that was the practice of adoption. It was really for adults. So Nero, you've heard of the emperor Nero, Caesar. Um, he actually was not the biological uh, son of the, uh, of the Caesar that came before him. He was adopted at age 12. Maybe, maybe they thought Nero had some potential. Maybe there's some inconnections. And they, he adopted Nero, and, and basically all the inheritance went through Nero. Now, what you need to understand that when we talk about adoption, uh, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of, of his will. Jesus Christ is the natural son. Can you guys say natural son? Okay, so when I say natural son, there's only one son of the father that was uncreated. There was only one son that was always the son. He was the natural son, shares the very essence of God. Okay? Now, are you guys natural sons? And the answer is no. You guys are adopted sons. All of the sons and daughters that get into the kingdom are adopted sons. 
There's only one natural son, and that's Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. In this passage, you get this concept that's repeated over and over again. Who has blessed us in Christ, even as he chose us in him for adoptions of sons through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace which he has bestowed in the beloved. So basically, we are in Christ. It's all, all going to the heir of Jesus and we are in Jesus, so we are heirs. That makes us adopted sons and daughters of the king. Now, this is a great concept. Please do not miss this. You are a son and a daughter of a king. Now, what does that do for the way that you see yourself? Have you thought about that recently? Have you worked that through your soul? Do you know what happened to me for three or four months when I was going through the first chapter of Ephesians? Three or four months. I was just thinking and working out to the the tips of my soul. I am a son of the high king. I walk around every day. I'm not thinking that I'm a son. I'm a son of the high king. You know, I walk into Home Depot. I am the son of a high king. I might be fighting with my wife. Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to the son of a king. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but, but do you walk around with that identity? Do you live like you are a son of the high king? Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you live it out? Do you look at yourself like that? What does this do for your self-worth, for your self-value? Oh, my goodness. Now, I want to make this point, and I think as far as points are concerned, I'm, I'm pretty mostly done. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons. What's the next word? Through. Through Jesus Christ. Through. Now, all this sounds great. I am a son. I am a daughter. And there's something in the psyche that says, yes, you have to earn it. Yeah, you got to work for it. If you are good and you follow the rules and you obey God, yes, you will be a son. But what I want to make very clear is that Paul says, look, it's through Jesus Christ. You cannot earn God's love. It's given to you through Jesus as a gift by faith. I just want to, I, this is one of those points where like, if you really unpack it, it will change your life. Let me just give you an example. Now, I, I've shared this story before, so, so, but stay with me. Uh, I grew up in a Taiwanese church, and for those of you who have heard of Taiwanese churches, or uh, here's a joke, not related, but what do you call uh, a Taiwanese uh, uh, a church plant? Church split. Get it? Okay, never mind. Um, so Taiwanese churches are a unique culture. They're a unique culture. And so, so basically, uh, one of the things that was embedded in the culture is they really love to uh, showcase their kids. You know, they really loved, you know, one time I was, my mom wanted me to do something on stage, and I was like, Mom, I don't, I don't want to do it. She goes, look, you love me, right? I said, yes, I love you. And look, Mom, I can tell you that I love you right now. I love you. She goes, no, it doesn't count unless you say it in front of a lot of people. Okay, she's not here. That's good. Okay, she never did anything like that story. But um, th- that's what's kind of the Taiwanese culture. Like, if your kids have some talent, you showcase that, because then it will, this is the cynic in me. Then it will, like, you give you greater status in the community or something like that, right? Or there's, there's a better way to frame that. You know, you got kids that are gifted. Hey, you ought to celebrate that. So my, my mom signed me up um, for a performance in the church. And she signed me up to sing. And she had my brother accompany me on the piano. 
And so guess what song I was, was chosen to sing? Uh, I was, uh, she gave me the song, because it was, it was a classic. I mean, how can you go wrong with If I Were a Butterfly, right? You guys remember the song? If I were a butterfly. I thank you, God, for giving me wings. If I were a wiggly, wiggly worm, I th- thank you, God, for my... W- I don't know, but you guys remember that song, right? Okay, you guys don't remember that song. That's okay. I, I knew that song. It was a great song. It was, it was a, and so at home, I was going to practice for this performance. You know, I was going to practice for this performance. And, and so, you know, at home, I felt very comfortable, and so I was singing loudly and flamboyant. I even had like this hip dance when I was doing it. And my parents were looking at me singing loudly and dancing like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And my brother's playing the piano. So the day came and I got up and, and the pastor gave me an introduction. Everyone was clapping. And then I got up there. And, you know, it was a crazy thing. I, I looked out in the audience. There were a hundred pairs of eyes looking at me. And I just, I just froze. I, and then my brother started out with the, you know, the song intro and it was time for me to start singing. And if I were a butterfly, you know, it was really, really, it was like a whisper, right? It was like a, it was, it was an embarrassing whisper. There was a man sitting where, like, where Ter- like Kevin was, who took off his hearing aid and started shaking it. <laughs> What's wrong with this thing, right? My mom uh, came running down the aisle, she held my hand, and she sang with me, you know, she started singing the song. And then my brother, the only problem is my brother midway through, like, he lost where he was. And so for five really uncomfortable seconds, he was like trying to find where am I, blah, blah, blah. And my mom's like singing the song. It was, it was just a train wreck. It was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. And so my dad was sitting, like actually where Quest was. And so afterwards, my, my mom whispered to me and said, go sit with your dad. And so I went to go sit with my dad. And I went to sit right next to him. I'll never forget this. He stiff-armed me. He basically just pushed me away. Basically said, I'm so embarrassed by you as my son. And you should shame me and the whole family. I didn't say that, but that's what the stiff arm meant. And so we dismissed the kids. I went up to Sunday school. I just, I cried. I blubbered like a baby. I was just crying. You guys are like, oh, that's why Pastor Andrew has all these issues. That's why you are so screwed up. There is a framework in the heart that says, I must perform for God. I must achieve to be approved. And what you have in the scripture is adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. Not through your performance. Not through your accolades. Not through your accomplishments. It's not by how accomplished you are or how well you perform. Now, how does knowing this embolden you? God looks at me as a son, not based on my... You know, I can screw up in this message. Some of you might be, okay, I can screw up in this message, and that's okay, because I am totally affirmed by God. Now, I am totally affirmed by what Jesus did on the cross that grants me the position as a son. And as as I was showing you a picture of my son, when a father looks at the son, he doesn't say, what what can this baby do for me? He just says, I love this son. Because when I see this son, I see it through the lens of Jesus. I I adore, cherish. I'm, I'm so excited about this. That's how God sees you, because of what Jesus did on the cross. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to perform to get it. 
to be approved. You can fail your tests. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get, the parents are going to email me about this. You can fail your tests. I cannot get that promotion. I can fail in the pulpit. Oh, what a freedom that gives me. I know that regardless of what I do, how I fail, how I perform, I am loved by the king regardless of my performance. Now, as an Asian American overachiever, woo! That is the good news. That is good news. Do you, do you, do you understand that? Do you get that? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive. It's given to you as a free gift of grace, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of who you are, because of who God is and how he sees you. This is good news for the overachieving soul. Quick review. God is a perfect father. God wants to give you every spiritual blessing and he's giving you the greatest blessing through his son. You are chosen in him before the creation of the world. He predestined you for adoption as sons through Jesus, not by earning, not by performance, but through the free gift of what Jesus did on the cross for you. Now, Maybe you know this on a head level. Do you want to know this on a head and a heart level? Maybe you know the love of God conceptually. Do you want to experience the love of God? Maybe you, you, you know it because you read it in a book. But do you want to be transformed by this love? that it's more real to you than the things you can see. How about doing more than just knowing it, but being consumed by it? I'm going to uh, uh, ask you all to stand to respond to this overwhelming grace of who God is. I'm ask the worship team to come up and just, just to play um, some instrumental music. And we're just going to have a time to respond. I mean, that would be so, um, it would be so lacking if we just heard all these amazing things about God's love and you're like, ah, that's nice. What's for lunch? I mean, come on, right? There's so much further and deeper that God wants to go. And so my question for you is how do you respond to this? Do you, do you want to respond to this? Do you want to do more than just like, okay, I kind of know it conceptually, but do you really want to know it with every fiber of your being? Because God wants to reveal it to you. God wants you to be consumed by his love. So we'll just have some music playing in the background. And um, actually, at this moment, I wasn't exactly sure what we were going to do, but I, I know generally speaking that we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to respond. Uh, I want to share these words of Scripture. This is what Paul said, and guess what book it comes from? Yes, Ephesians. He's praying for the church to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in their inner being so that Christ can dwell in their hearts through faith. And then he says, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is what Paul said. I want you to know this love 
that surpasses knowledge, not just head knowledge, but experiential knowledge, no knowing with the deepest fiber of your being, getting caught up in the, with this love, how deep and how wide and how long and how strong, not defining this love, but actually being defined by this love. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to do what mere words alone cannot do by strengthening you with power through his Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and then we'll just, we'll just continue to be available and to respond to God. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Paul said that that's what you do, that you're the one that works in our hearts and strengthens our heart with power so we can know God's love that's beyond knowing. We can experience it. It can become real to us. Okay, um, this just came to my mind. I think there's some of us who felt very close to God. But that's like way long time ago. You're like, you know, I was so close to God just experiencing his love, but that was like, gotta be like 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's been a long time since I've just felt that closeness. And my word for you, it's been way too long. Way too long. Maybe what you wanna do right now is just say, God, stir my heart once again. It's been way too long since I've experienced and known and just celebrated and cherished your love for me. Oh, would you just stir in my heart and, and create something new? And so for, for, for those of you, it's like, man, it's been a long time since I've, I've just been captured by God's love. Would you just cry out to God right now and just say, God, awaken me, renew me. Just, just do that for maybe a couple minutes, just saying, God, stir in me. Because you know it takes God to love God. And you need some help. So cry out to him. and just I'm, I'm just going to not say anything for, for, for a minute. And you just cry out to him in your spirit. Just go, God, stir in me. Do something in me. Okay, this is something that um, is really for all the parents in this room, although I, arguably you can do it just by thinking of your own parents. But for all the parents especially in this room, what I want you to do right now is to picture in your mind's eye the face of your son or your daughter. For those parents in this room, I just want you to think of your son or your daughter. For those of you who don't have children, you can think of your, your own parents looking at you and how they might actually look at you. But what I want the parents to do right now is just think about your son, your daughter, and all the affection that you have for your son or your daughter, or sons or daughters. 
Just think about how you would not withhold anything that's good for this kid. You just want the best of everything that is good. You just want to give it, you want them to thrive. You're like, hey, I, I would actually love them to surpass me. I just want them to thrive and flourish. I want everything good for them. Now, I want you to start thinking about how God sees you in the same way. Do you think you're better than God? You're more nobler than God? You, you love your kids better than God loves you? What you feel when you look at your children is just a tiny fraction of how God feels about you to hear these words as if as, as if God were speaking them to you himself can you just do that can you just imagine him saying I've chosen you I've chosen you I've chosen you like way before the foundation of the earth was ever laid I had you on my mind I chose you don't even think that you chose me I chose you way before you were even born I just want you to imagine God saying to you, you don't have to earn my love. It's not like if you're good enough or if you go to church enough or you read your Bible enough, then I approve of you and you have my love. You have my love. Just imagine God saying that. You have my love because of what my son did for you. And you've received that through grace and faith. You have my love by virtue of who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Because of what Jesus did, you just have it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. Now, being good flows from that, that sense of knowing that, that I've chosen you and that Jesus died for you. It flows from that, but you can't earn my love. You can't perform your way to being approved by anyone or especially by me. Now, we're going to sing a song called uh, How He Loves Us. And it is such an amazing song. And it has lyrics that go like, You are a hurricane. He is a hurricane and I am a tree bending beneath His waves of mercy. And we're going to sing this song and we're just going to reflect on the amazing, overwhelming love and grace of our Father. for oh how he loves us.